0: Hey, everybody, this is Joshua Lewis with The Remnant Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. (laughs) I can't even take myself seriously. Uh, We've got a special guest in studio today, and uh, it's Dr. Michael Brown. The program's title is uh, Trump is Not My Savior. It's going to be a great program. You guys stay tuned. Hey everybody, Joshua Lewis with The Remnant Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For those of you who are new to Remnant Radio, we exist for three purposes. We want to challenge orthodoxy, embrace diversity, and empower people for practical living. In challenging orthodoxy, what we mean is anything that's commonly taught in the church, we want to make sure that it's biblically rooted scripture and not the traditions of men. Jesus said that the word of God is nullified by the traditions of men. So we want to have D- embrace diversity, have different pastors and teachers from different churches and denominations come on and wrestle with theological points that we agree with or disagree with, ultimately to empower you for practical ministry. Uh, Jesus said in John seventeen three that eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So we, we believe that as we're studying theology, it will empower and impact your life. To my right, to your left, is Jeff Gray. <sighs> Jeff? I'm kind of fan
1: fanboying out a little I, bit you over don't even You don't <laughs> even know. So as always... This is going to be hard for me tonight. I'm going to try to monitor questions because I, I know we're going to. But we'll yeah, try. we're going to give them. Yeah, um, if you have a, a really, really, really legitimate, awesome <laughs> question, we might contemplate putting it on air. But nonetheless, you should always again like the video, share the video, get it out there, pump this one out there, and uh, and, and just let your family, your friends get blessed by it. So I know my dad. He's watching for the first time. He just got on Facebook. Oh. He, he called me today and he's like, So, how do I do this? I'm trying to like run him through how to like a page. And I'm like, It's hopefully he's watching right now. So maybe I should text him and let him know we're on air. So praise God. Anyway, right, to my boy.
0: left, your right, I've got Dr. Michael Brown, our guest speaker, and definitely the most honor I've ever had for someone on our set yet. I'm Hands so on. excited. You're a, a hero of mine. Uh, you have impacted my life tremendously when I was wrestling through. Uh, being a continuist. Um, uh, and I just I thank you so much for for your hard exegesis towards the scripture, <laughs> your your commitment to the word of God. And we just want to thank you so much for coming on today. It's a, it's a huge honor.
2: My joy. Glad to, glad to be with you guys.
0: Excellent. Well, let's talk about your book. Tell us a little bit about your ministry and how people can plug uh, into uh, Ask Dr. Brown and all that other stuff that you're doing.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I, I feel it's important that as believers we address moral and cultural issues from a gospel perspective. Not everyone's called to. I don't think pastors should major on politics from the no, pulpit, but we live in this world. Mm-hmm. You say the name Donald Trump, everybody has an opinion. There's all kinds of division, all kinds of questions. The Kavanaugh hearings, what, was it right? Was it wrong? Are we not listening to the Me Too victims? Are, are we letting people be falsely accused? We as God's people should be salt, should be light, should, should have a voice of wisdom, should not just be caught up with a political system, but but rather bring God's kingdom perspective, which transcends, transcends patriotism and politics. So, I've written a lot of articles about Donald Trump from the early days during the Republican primaries when I, I just couldn't see it. I, I had real issues with him. Yeah, I remember Ca- those episodes. <laughs> character matters. <laughs> yeah. You know, think of how he felt about Bill Clinton, those of us sure, old enough right. to, you know. So, you know, narcissist and playboy and married three times and can't trust him and he waffles in his positions and yeah. all this. I had all these questions, but there were prophetic words from folks that I knew that, that were solid people saying that God was raising him up as an unlikely vessel. I remember saying, Lord, I don't, I don't see this, yeah. but maybe I'm wrong. When he won the primaries, I mean, think of who he defeated. If, if I said to you four years ago, Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States, everyone think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Hang on. Donald Trump will not only be the next president of the United States, but he will defeat... Former governors like Chris Christie and John Kasich, and, and, and or Jeb present Bush. governors, right, and, and Jeb Bush and and Mike Huckabee yeah. and senators like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. There's 16 others. Okay, but hang on. Not only so, he'll also beat <laughs> Hillary Clinton. And the way he's going to win is he's going to be a champion of the pro-life movement and be elected by white evangelicals. You say, you're crazy. <laughs> It'll never happen. Yeah. So when he, when he won the primaries, I thought something's up here. Maybe there's more going on. And we, I ended up voting for him and saying, okay, him versus Hillary Clinton, it's a no-brainer for me. But here's the deal. He's not my savior. He didn't die for my sins. My savior has my life. My testimony is tied up with my savior. My reputation is tied up with my savior. The president gets my vote. Yeah, uh, I am not going to lose my testimony because of who I vote for, because bottom line is, Tens of millions of babies are being killed by abortion, and I thought Donald Trump would do a better job of stopping that than Hillary Clinton or or fighting against it. I thought he'd do a better job with the courts, better job standing with Israel, better job standing against genocide of Christians. And the day we voted, my wife Nancy and I voted, she had massive reservations because of thinking the kind of guy like this, he could debase the whole culture. He could divide the nation. He could make everything just like almost vulgar, but felt she had to vote for him. I voted for him with those concerns, but thinking, I really hope he'll do good. Summary now is all my hopes have been realized and all her fears have been realized <laughs> simultaneously. So <laughs> I, I, I got tremendously burdened just in mid-August. Mm-hmm. Get a book out before the midterms on Trump. Donald Trump is not my savior. An evangelical leader speaks his mind about the man he supports his president. Yeah. And overnight the thing came together. So I've got brand new opening material asking is our relationship as evangelicals with Trump, is that a match made in heaven or is it a marriage with hell? And then I've got material at the end, okay, where do we go from here? And how do we deal with the elections, 2018, 2020? And then I took 90 of my most relevant articles over a three-year period, August 2015 to August 2018, and printed them all. And it's, for me, I'm doing the reading for the audio book now, and I'm really getting excited about it. On the one hand, it's like, yeah, I, I had massive, there's some massive issues and concerns because once the left-wing media so relentlessly attacks him, you almost want to defend all the time. It's like, no, God does raise up unlikely vessels, but character does matter. It's, yeah. it's both and. Yeah. and. And anyway, I think the book is really going to help people sort these things out from a kingdom perspective. And that's always the goal. Uh, I wrote an article, just getting from London earlier today, and then wrote an article in my hotel room before coming over here saying, so, okay, I, I dare you to try this. And I'm sure you guys have done this. Try to put yourself in the other position and see the world through the eyes of people you differ with. Mm-hmm. Now, it's scary because what if their position is stronger than you realized? Or what if you begin to sympathize with it so you can't be as dogmatic? Sometimes it's distasteful because I don't, I don't even want to consider that position for two seconds. But I lay out, okay, let's just look at the Kavanaugh hearings. Do you understand why some people are flipping out Mm -hmm. and thinking a guy who's been accused by multiple people of sexual assault is now in the courts for life and on top of it, the president is saying it's all rubbish. He's falsely accused. The whole thing's evil. Can you see why people from that side are flipping out and FBI didn't investigate this one and answer this one and why would Christine Ford do this, etc.? And then for those that are on the other side, do you understand? Not a single corroborating witness. The the democratic hitch, in other words, just even for the sake of better understanding, then you can better argue your position. Yeah. Yeah. And argue, at least see the humanity of the other people you differ with. Yeah. So a a lot of what I write is trying to say, okay, there's this side, there's this side. What's God saying? It's like Joshua 5 with the children of Israel and they're about to go go to, to war against Jericho. And Joshua sees the captain of the Lord's host yeah. and says to him, are you on the Lord's side or our side? He says, no. Side, yeah. <laughs> so that's God's. spell. Are you Democrat or I Republican? Are you? Yeah. No. Are you left wing or right wing? No. And that's, that should be us. So that's part of my appeal in this book. I'd love to see a ton of people vote to continue to support what President Trump is doing, but not in a way where their life and testimony is tied in with it. Yeah. To say, this is great, but I have a problem with this. And I don't know why we can't do that. Yeah. I mean, I
1: personally, I, I can relate to the the dogmatic person. I That's the route I tend to go, in all honesty. I get pretty riled up in... I'm kind of that, you know. I even put a Facebook post on the other day. It was like I've been a little salty on Facebook of late, and I kind of don't feel bad about it because I've just been—I feel overwhelmed with all this stuff, and it does make me frustrated. And I look at the situation and I say, you know, here's all the accusations, here's everything they're saying, and I just go, it's about abortion. That's my, you know, my instant exactly. go-to thing. Yeah. It's about abortion. They just don't want abortion. You guys so want to murder so, they're going to lie about everything and make it so. It just makes me, you know, get frothy at the mouth instead of actually like you're saying, okay, take a step back. What are they trying to say? And I do believe that there is somewhat of a attempt that is that is based in a lie to do these things. But that I don't think that, that half the American pub, public are in on it. I don't think they actually believe some of these things that are going yeah. on, whether they're, they're false accusations, I believe. But... They don't believe they're false accusations, so it's our job. We need to take a step back, like you said, and not be so dogmatic in um, tying our Christianity with our politics.
2: Yeah, and, and look, I I endorsed Ted Cruz during the primaries. I thought we needed someone that was anti-establishment because I don't trust either political party or the system. Right. There is a swamp, right? Yeah. Okay. I thought we needed someone that would take on, quote, the Washington cartel, his words, and then someone who was a committed believer, strong pro-family, strong pro-Israel, I, strong pro-life. A Huckabee
1: guy myself. I love Huckabee. Yeah. yeah. And I, her, I,
2: I, I thought Huckabee may have just been too nice or not too much of the system. But either way, mean, I, I, definitely would have, <laughs> I definitely would have voted for him if he was the candidate right, yeah. in, in a heartbeat. But anyway, after endorsing Cruz, I found every article that I wrote, if I had an issue with Trump, that the Trump people said, well, you're just a cruise guy. And I thought, you know, I, I've compromised my voice. Yeah. The number one thing for me is to be a voice for the Lord. Mm. And if, if I felt to endorse another candidate, I would. But that's the only time I endorsed. And I don't think I will again because I said, all right, the number one thing is that, that I have to be a voice to serve others, right? On the radio, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, the same way with us in politics, fine abortion is a political issue gay quote marriage is a political issue so we're involved in the front lines of these things and, and people may hate us for it that's fine that's for shining the light and speaking the truth but we can become an appendage of, of a party or appendage of a political system or of a person and in so doing we compromise our testimony so look of course this was about abortion I, I wrote about it as well prepare for the wrath of, of the the pro abortion feminist and radical you know it's it, we yeah. understand what's coming I wrote another article, "Rage, uh, Rage Against the Male Machine." Yeah, you know it's the white patriarchy and it's war against men. And so I understand all that at the same time. If you're not sensitive to the legitimate victims and and the whole victims of the rape culture and the sexualizing of women, yeah, now we're, we've lost part of our compassionate voice. Exactly, you're right. So unless it was a hundred percent clear from the first moment that that the professor was lying. Well, I said, okay, I'm going to listen to both and give both the benefit of the doubt, yeah. Yeah. and I uh, just found no corroborating evidence, so I said, I'm going to trust both of what they're saying, yeah. figure there's a question mark we don't have an answer to, someone could be misremembering or whatever, and I'll just r- vote or give my opinion based on the, the judge's record. Yeah. So that was a no-brainer to me. Was it a, a Democrat hit job? Of course. Do I think the other accusations were crazy? Of course. However, in whatever I say, same thing opposing homosexual activism. What about that 15-year-old kid that's struggling with same-sex attraction that showed up at church for the first time in years wondering, is there any hope for me? And that's the, the time you're going to rail against all the sodomites trying to pervert America. Yeah. It's like, okay, I believe there is a gay agenda and I believe it is destructive for our nation. But whenever I address that, i got to think of that kid that's sitting there.
0: It's yeah. the, the separation between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. We can be right about our, our theology, our orthodoxy, but the way that we're practicing, the way that we're communicating that to people is as important as the truth itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can, we can be saying all the right things. These men are from God. These men are from God. And be of a demonic spirit. We can say the right thing and have the wrong spirit. Yeah. Uh, and it's important that... Uh, so, so we, uh, you did a video recently on a response. I think that you did this really balanced. You talked about um, what do you do when false accusations are given, yeah. and you talked about well, this is this is the response. I'm not saying that they are false accusations, but this is this is how the Lord approaches it. And what you did is you, you brought scripture to the situation, opposed to necessarily taking a stance. Now, would you would you say that is a a common Christian approach that when we come to a situation, we're to bring the theological truth in a neutral way, or we are to take sides?
2: when it's obvious yeah well the theological truth will lead us to size to make conclusions obviously right yeah, yeah. you know to lead us to god's intent for marriage and god's intent for sexuality and and the the value of life and life beginning in the womb and rescue the perishing and all those things yeah. H- however there ah goes there mustache. goes the mustache all right Man, less uh, mine's in fine form <laughs> so the, the 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 fact the fact is that yes Theological truth will drive us to certain positions, and, and it led to the abolition of slavery and so True. on, and it's brought moral and cultural reform in many nations. That being said, often we are just political animals, yeah. and we just get caught up with—look, look, even though I prefer a lot of what's being said on conservative news than liberal news, they're both very much— biased in their perspective, no doubt. and there's very little challenging of it. If you remember back in the days of Hannity and Combs, the one oh, guy yeah. would say his piece, it's Rest like, peace. man, yeah. that was well said, you're right. And then the other guy would come, it's like, you know, <laughs> there's another side. <laughs> yeah. So what I at least try to do is process the different sides. And listen to believers that have a different perspective to try to hear their heart. I remember talking to a, a black pastor working in the inner cities of New York once. And he said, you're trying to get prayer in the schools. I'm trying to get education in the schools. No, you know, like you're fighting all these battles uh-huh. these kids. Don't, and it's like, okay, different priorities, different yeah. perspectives. So just be sensitive to it. You know, and, and what's really fascinating is when you talk to really serious believers who love the Lord and they're serious about Scripture, and they have a totally different political perspective. Like, I've, I've had people call my radio show, and they said, look, we don't like abortion, but we're convinced that whoever we vote for as president has no effect, and the courts have no effect. We're going to have to end this otherwise. So I voted for Obama for this reason, that reason. It's like, man, I, I don't see that at all. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're as serious about God as I am, and you check off these other things. I can't for the life of me understand how you did that. But— I'm going to come together with you to evangelize and reach the lost. And if we can do pro-life work at our clinic, we'll do it while I'm asking you how you could vote that way. (laughs) But you listen to one another and you realize there's more to the story. Like one of my friends said that that a plane can't fly or a bird can't fly without a left wing and a right wing. And if we were just all 100% right wing without a certain thing saying, what about the poor? What about this? What about that? The approach may not be the right thing, but at least it it challenges us. Yeah. So I think this is a fun way to transition. Um, My buddy uh, uh, Will
0: Ford says uh, the left wing sick. The right, the the left wing is broken. The right wing is broken. The whole bird is sick. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit, right? Like that's 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 the bird that (laughs) we need. So wrong (laughs) bird. That's 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 a good way of transitioning into talking about some of the Seven Mountains theology and this 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 doctrine that's kind of come in talking about how we. and, and I don't want to mischaracterize. I'm going to do the best job that I can of of don't build a creating man, a moral uh, <laughs> media, creating a moral education system, creating a Christian principles in all of these areas of influence in government and education and arts and entertainment, those kinds of things um, for, the, for the purpose of, for what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, creating a same language for everyone to use, right? So so you'll, you'll be more Christian, you'll understand Christian principles so that when I bring you the gospel, you're more likely to receive it or it moralizes our society. How do we wrestle with uh, these, these theological truths when everything is broken?
2: Yeah, so first, for those who are Pentecostal charismatic, it's interesting to know that the origins of this goes back to Bill Bright, Lorne Cunningham. Okay. Yeah. That simultaneously... Without either one knowing it, they both got this idea of there's seven major mountains in each culture. Hmm. And so it's education, it's government, it's media, etc. And if you're going to reach the culture, you have to reach the mountains. So it was all initially gospel-centered, evangelism-centered. It was not some type of take over the culture and impose Christianity. It was not tied in necessarily with a the post-millennial theology where the gospel will go through the whole world and the whole world will become Christian. And then Jesus comes after the millennium. It was all with an evangelistic, missional thrust, in keeping with youth, with a mission and campus crusade for Christ, as it was known then. So that's the first thing to, to say. Well, that's interesting hmm. that the two guys get it simultaneously yeah. and not with a dominionist theology. Sure. So on the one hand, well, of course, it's a no-brainer. I'll give both sides. Total no-brainer. You, you think that it's better for our universities to be so radically liberal that, that Christian speech is suppressed? Yeah. You think it's good that you go to all the major Ivy League schools and you know, the Stanfords and the others on the West Coast, and they're so, you know unbelievably liberal that professors can't even speak conservative values, et cetera? Yeah. And you think it's good that the media is so biased against the gospel? You think, you think, wouldn't it be better to have more voices? I mean, why do you do what you do? Why do sure. I do what I do? Wouldn't it be better to have more Christian professors on campuses? And and, uh, if we're supposed to pray for government leaders to be saved, well, then when they get saved, they're going to govern differently. And and does that mean Christians uh, shouldn't run for office if they're saved to start? So to me, it's a no-brainer on the one hand, of course— you want the gospel to influence every area of society. Is it better that we don't have slavery today? Or should, should we have not gotten involved there? Sure. You know, and, and just go through many moral cultural reforms that the gospel's brought in many different countries and cultures. Think back to the origins of our schools, the Yales and the Harvards that all started as Christian schools. By the mid 1800s, the first 250 or so uh, colleges and universities established in America, about of them were were started by churches and ministries, and denominations. So, yeah, of course, it's a no-brainer to try to get involved in every area of society to make a difference with the gospel and and to to better be able to make disciples. On the flip side, if we think that we can somehow change the world from the top down, if we think that, that we can somehow take over and by taking over bring people into the gospel, then we've got it totally wrong. So to me... If the seven mountains is that we must take dominion of these mountains and conquer them for Jesus uh, to prepare the way for his return, then we're quite misguided because the world is always going to be the world. Yeah. And there's always going to be resistance, and, and there's not going to be any totally, quote, Christian nation before the Lord returns.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Texas is a good example of what you see because how about you say it was going to get a good example, well, it was a good Christian example Christian of, of both sides, of both, well, it was This Christian is a state, nation, yeah. this is actually <laughs> yeah. a state, not yes. a nation, just um, want to mention just that. A good wait, example of that wait. picture, not though, because it. you see, we, you know, this is the buckle of the Bible Belt, you know, and right. I lived in Seattle for about eight years, and there's a great contrast between uh, the people and how we even treat each other down here. Uh, you know, people come from other parts of the world, they go, man, everybody down here is so nice. There's generosity, they're helpful, they're just kindness and all. And I, and I really, really believe that is an effect of the church in the community, in the culture for so many decades now. You just see it, it's a part of who we are. And then at the same time, we have so many churches and so many Christians all over that you know you think, oh, well, if we have all these churches and all these people in, in church, all these believers around, that, oh man, we'd be seeing souls left and right. Well, there's also religion that creeps in, and there's this everyone speaking the same language, and all of a sudden, are we really meaning what we say? And then you see a hardness of heart that kind of spreads over some people because they see all these Christians walking around, all these churches on every corner, and they're like, then why am I still not being reached out to? Why am I still not being, you know, my life's still a wreck right now, and I have all these Christians in my life that, you know.
2: So there's a it's, it's and in both. Yeah, and look, think of this. Ask yourself this question. You hear in a particular country in France, famous uh, country in France. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> Sorry, Texas talk go. here. Way to go. Texas yeah. got in my brain here. Okay. So a, a certain country in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Unnamed country in Europe. France, maybe. And, Clearly and thinking of France, okay. but okay. So, okay. So, let's just, so a European country, and let's say it's famous for decadence. Mm-hmm. It's famous for child prostitution. Yeah. It's famous for... Massive drug use. It's famous for government corruption. It's famous for atheistic university. I mean, just go whatever our laundry list is sure. of all bad, bad stuff, right? You know, human trafficking, center of the world, and, and on and on and on, right? And then you hear that over a thirty year period, the gospel has spread through the country. There has been an incredible spiritual awakening and it's affecting people all over the land. After thirty years, you would go there, you would expect to see a difference, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. And if you didn't, if the universities were just as atheistic and the government was just as corrupt and and, and child prostitution was just as strong, you'd say something's wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I say it's a no-brainer on the one hand that of course the gospel should should impact every area of society. So why do we even question it? On the one hand we question it because it gets tied in with a Dominionist theology, mm. which I wholeheartedly reject. That, that we're going to take over. And it's, it's never good. Look, I'm a Jewish believer in sure, Jesus. Yeah. When the church takes over, somebody gets hurt. <laughs> okay? But uh, the other reason that we have to address it is because we just think the gospel is getting people saved. Yeah. We don't think in terms of the kingdom of God and the intersection of the kingdom of God in this world. And the same thing, if you had 10 megachurches in the inner city of, of, of a particular major city and that city was, had a massive poverty rate and massive rate of homelessness and unbelievable starvation and things like, you'd, if, if you didn't see change there, you'd say, where's the church? Yeah, You're, You should be doing these things. So again, to me, it's just a holistic gospel, and I make it really simple. Jesus said, go and make disciples, right? How do disciples live? Yeah. How do you live in the business place? How do you live in in the school? How do you live in your neighborhood, in your community? If we live differently, then we will have a positive effect on a certain level if there are more and more believers in Hollywood. Hollywood would look different, you know, just across the board. Yet we're in a sinful world, mm-hmm. a fallen world. There's always going to be conflict. Until Jesus comes, it's going to be light versus darkness. So we influence, we preach. Our great emphasis, though, is ultimately making disciples. Yeah. And anything that takes us away from that is a distraction. So
0: I think that, that some of, this, uh, of the seven mountains can be beneficial and helpful, especially when there was uh, early on in America, there was a, a, a starch... Uh, segregation of the secular and the sacred right so there was secular music there was secular art there was secular entertainment whereas uh, you know you you look at the early Reformation art was the church the church was on the cutting edge of everything uh, yeah. before the Reformation there was no sacred there was no secular it was just art there was just truth there was just beauty and not to say that the Christians that, dominated yeah, so yeah, much and they did yeah but but when but so I think of the 70s in the rise of fundamentalism which is a uh, pivotal point, and people who watch the show hear me talk about fundamentalism way too much, but the idea that uh, uh, there was this separation between, okay, you're being critical of us, so we're going to separate ourselves from you, and I think that there there has been this idea that we can Go back into, and I think you have Christian rap artists, Christian rock, you know, that is, that is good now. That's, yeah, that, yeah that's <laughs> good now. When before, you know, people heard Christian rap in the 80s and 90s, and we just kind of laughed at it. Like, that's not legitimate music. That's because it was bad. bad. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, and then there was this separation the, yeah. there's good and there's but. secular, and then there's bad and Christian. But so there's this emphasis that I think is godly and biblical. To present excellence in a specific area, like in music, I think that's a that's a godly desire to be a Christian in a secular industry and produce godly, good music. Yeah. I think that's a good desire. You were a drummer, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you, I got this, saved, was
2: heroin shooting, LSD using hippie rock drummer. In fact, so, so the Trump book comes out in two weeks. Folks can pre-order it now on yeah. Amazon wherever. But uh, early January, I've got a book coming out called The Power of Music. There you go. God's Call to Change the World One Song at a Time. Oh, wow. Oh, and I look through God. history at how music's been used, for yeah. better or worse, yeah. and just talk about even, even getting a message out, you know, explicit gospel message, but also messages with moral content and different yeah. things and for evangelistic yeah. purposes. But you know, the, the thing that's interesting is that the pendulum always swings. You know? sure. and, and so I got raised in a certain culture when I came to faith. and. And you know you, it is the secular and the sacred. And, of course, the Bible is really clear. The holy, the unholy, the world you know, versus the people of God. You, you, the children of Satan versus children of God. Light versus darkness. You have these dichotomies completely. And yet we, we live in this world. Yeah. And, and you just think if your local school district had as the, the principal... Uh, a, a really godly man, you know, a, a father, grandfather who had been a great educator and had a heart for all kids and really compassionate, full of wisdom and understanding versus, say, a, a transgender activist who wanted boys to dress uh, in, in, in dresses in kindergarten as an experiment. You know, where would you rather send your kid? So let's have a good impact. Sure. It's, it's not only getting people saved. It's living godly lives. It's being a blessing. It's, it's helping You know, would you feed the poor if the poor didn't get saved? Yes. Yeah. You know, so it's doing all of that, but without. Either on the one hand, the total separation mentality; sure. on the other hand, the takeover mentality. So that's that's my, I guess
0: that's my, and we've addressed it a couple of times. That that was the phrase that I was trying to get to, is that they would say Matthew, and I, I might be getting it wrong, so someone can correct me here. Matthew twenty-eight is make disciples of individuals, and Mark sixteen is making disciples of nations. And I could be you got totally, it backwards. I I, yeah. I felt like I had so so the backwards the twenty-eight you know make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Right. All the, yeah. So so you have. Uh, the idea is that we can make disciples of nations without the gospel. So I, I asked someone recently, they said, you know, we're here to make disciples of nations and make disciples of people. And I said, okay, how do you make a disciple of a nation? Like, how do you baptize a nation? Like, you preach the gospel, right? And, right. and that effect on that individual then impacts other people. It impacts, it impacts politi- right. politics and music, so forth and so on. But it's not our goal, and, it, and at least it's not mine. And, and, and I want you to correct me on this to say there is an issue here There's a problem here, and I'm going to try to moralize unbelievers. No, I just want to convert the unbeliever. I want want to show the unbeliever Jesus, and I feel like that will affect them. You know, if Jay Z gets saved, that's going to have a huge impact on the kingdom. But I am not going to try to make Jay Z moral. (laughs) It's a waste of time. Right.
2: So, so again, two sides to that. First, go back to Matthew 28 18 through 20, the Great Commission, right? So, uh, go into all the world, make disciples. Of, of all the nations. Mm-hmm. So you could read the Greek one of two ways, legitimately, that it's discipling whole nations or it's discipling the people of the nations. But either way, it's done through the gospel. Sure. So, how, look, I have friends in India. They want to see India saved. They want to see India become a Christian nation. It's a Hindu nation now. They want to see it become a Christian nation. How? Through preaching the gospel and living the gospel. At the same time, you do have Scripture telling us in Matthew 5 where, where Jesus calls us to be salt and light, right? In 13 through 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Yeah, sure in first Bible Peter Bible 2, the same thing. Let the ungodly look at your conduct and, and even pagans look at your conduct and be impacted. So I want people to see that our way of life is better. I want people to see that the way we have relationships, I mean, we failed in many ways, but mm-hmm. our marriages uh, the, the, the health and well-being of our kids, psychological and emotional health, that the things that we argue for are, are better. Yeah. that Look, I, I was asked to speak at a college in North Carolina near where I lived the other day. Well, the other day, a couple of years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and it was on God and sex, and they wanted to try to draw in on believers. So I gave a presentation as if the kids were not believers there. And I said, why is it that if, if a, a man and woman growing up keep themselves pure and then they get married, and then they have a wonderful marital relationship and a healthy sex life, they'll never get a sexually transmitted disease. But if they did the same thing with someone they weren't married to, they could get it. Where does it come from? Where, how, do you, how do you get? How does it happen? And then I just went through the various things. When we violate the way God made us, then, then we violate the principles of life. God's ways are life. So we, we do want someone to look at us And look, like the whole walk away movement that's happening with the Democrat Party Mm -hmm. now, people are seeing the extremism and all this. If they see something different from us, that may then also get them to listen to our message. Mm -hmm. So let's try to win the battle of ideas, too. There are people who've gone from pro-abortion to pro-life and then gotten saved afterwards. Sure. You know, so let's do what we can. In other words, I'm a real, in that sense, fundamental, preach the gospel believe God for transformation, I like pray for revival. That's our only hope. Yeah. At the same time, every single day, I'm going to try to influence people to think differently, yeah. to educate believers and to challenge unbelievers to think, whether it's to get them a, a little bit along the way or just every little shift is positive. I'm sure many people that oppose slavery in America or oppose segregation were not born again, but mm. they realized it was morally wrong. The whole Uncle Tom's Cabin and how God used Harriet Beecher Stowe's book it appealed to people not just on a Christian level, but on a moral level. Yeah. yeah. So let's do that and try to change hearts and minds, just like many millennials are more pro-life than their parents, even though they're not saved. While understanding that the ultimate cure is the gospel. Yeah, it's good. I think one of the other issues is that we,
1: when we, the mindset that we have in reaching the culture is we want to do, we want to reach Jay Z. That historically that hasn't done anything. <laughs> Ever, we've had celebrities that get born again. We throw them on and instantly, and then the Hollywood or whatever arena they come from well, instantly that just gone, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, instantly, what I'm saying is that that you. person that got born again, they don't go back into that culture and and see all these people born again. Yeah, they the the culture they come from rejects them. They they're you know I think of Stephen Baldwin. He's a perfect example. Yeah, you know he was probably. One of the best ones of the Baldwin brothers, you know, debatably. But um, when he got you know, born again and now he's doing his – he does like a political show I think now too. It's a Christian political show. He, um, he's kind of shunned. And so we have a mindset of wanting to reach that one person and we're going to see culture shifted where it's really more of the words you kind of used earlier with the, with the issue of abortion or whatever. It's the chip away effect. It's the, it's the, the, the person that's in – I love what Heidi Baker says. Don't try to reach the whole nation. Reach the person in front of you. And if we will consistently, collectively have that mindset, we will reach the nation.
2: Yeah, and, and for me, I think of all of the above. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm a black and white person the way I think. Yeah. And I want to see God sweep down and shake America yeah. from I'm coast to you, coast yeah. and, <laughs> and top to bottom and, and see radical revival, Jesus revolution, reformation, the whole bit, you know, uh, America be a light to the, I mean, let, let every promise be real. You know, I want to see that happen. While, I am, while I'm praying for that, I'm trying to witness to a neighbor, yeah. right, and trying to write an article to equip believers and doing a debate with a gay activist. In other words, you just, you got to just plant every little seed, every mm-hmm. little seed. No doubt. And, and as you study the issues, like the Wilberforce thing and slavery, uh, on the one hand, they wanted the whole pie, but they kept taking pieces. Yeah. So you wonder why some people in the pro-life movement will agree to legislation that's not the whole pie. Well, yeah. it's going to save some more. Well, and there, there's some that are like – there's a group that I won't say, but they are like anything
1: that's compromised in their book, they're against. So they won't – if there is a compromise, we're getting a little bit. We're saving a few lives here and there. Like, Both no, sides. that's not the abolition of abortion, which I just named the name. But anyway, so it's – got to be willing to – Man, if it's, I, I, if it's one baby, it's one baby. You I, know? Can,
2: I can respect the mentality right? because do I want to put my name on that, of that course. I agree to you know, the exceptions of rape, incest, or the life of the Do I want to have my name on that? You know, so I understand the, the integrity behind it, and that's where I said I, I'm like a hit-a-home-run, hit yeah. all-or-nothing mentality. But I'll take some singles. Singles right, score, right, right. My, score runs. And, <laughs> and, and here, here's, here's the other thing with it is that um, – I read a book once on, uh, I don't read a lot of leadership books for whatever reason, but it was on, on secrets of, of Billy Graham's leadership that were strong. And what I didn't know about him was that he was famous for bringing hope to the whole team, to everyone, but by nature, he was very pessimistic that something God gave him hmm. in terms of being an ambassador of hope. And, and, and there was an illustration in there that Mother Teresa was asked how, how do you handle the fact that you, you bring in the, the poor to let them die with dignity and, and you minister grace to them before they die, but you know there's so many other people dying out there? And her basic thing was we use the law of subtraction. It's one less. It's one less. And that there was a guy, a book actually made on the theme that was found uh, walking down the, the, the banks of, um, of an ocean. Yeah. yeah, throwing starfish out. And they said some of them are already dead. He said, yeah, but some will live. So I think we have to just remember that. Okay, it's just like evangelizing. 50 people didn't listen, but one did. Yeah. You know, some, somebody heard. So while we're waiting for revival to sweep the neighborhood, let's make the difference in the one life here. And look, in little things, I, I eat really healthily, so I'm at the store a lot on the way home from radio. My wife will say, hey, you know, pick something up. So I'm always just getting fresh produce. So I'm in stores a lot. So I just know people are going to see me somebody may listen to me on radio or, or see me on TV you or YouTube a mustache to hide your identity. Yeah, no, no, I, I put on the gla- I do the glasses and the mustache cause no one could ever. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, um, Makes sense. but seriously, I, I always want to be gracious because I'm always thinking, you know, friendly to the checkout people and sure. just whatever, always saying to myself, number one, hopefully it's my heart, but always saying if they ever find out I'm a believer, or happen to flip on TV, and there I am. Or they yeah. recognize my voice on radio. I, I don't want it to be, oh, that nasty guy. Mm-hmm. He's a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. I want it to be, oh, well, you've, always, you've always taken an interest. In you, you know, so you just plant little seeds yeah. and try to make somebody's life a little bit better any way you can, which is all consistent with I want to see you saved.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Okay, so we talk about... Um Seven. I've got Noah's got a question I want to answer Noah's question Noah wants to know What you think about The Cyrus Donald Trump stuff And then I'll, I'll transition And maybe to a little different right, part so Of the here's, conversation
2: Which is the camera Everybody looks the, at Right here it? That's the money camera oh, Okay That's there, it. there you go Alright so <laughs> This book Will answer your questions You can pre-order it now On Amazon I'm doing the audio reading it For it now But you can get the paperback Or Kindle It's coming out Just in two weeks Or, or less It's All good right. stuff Alright so When I was strongly opposed to candidate Trump. One of my issues was uh, two gentlemen that I know, Jeremiah Johnson, a young prophetic brother, very serious and no nonsense man of prayer and fasting, preaching repentance. He had this word, he barely knew who Trump was, just heard, you know, heard about him on TV a little bit, uh, that he was gonna be like a Cyrus kind of figure, a bull in a china shop, but that he would be used yeah. for divine purposes. And then Lance Wall now, who's a colleague and thinks outside the box. We've been on TV together and disagreed yeah. on things like, I don't think I could use somebody like this yeah. before Trump. He's like, you never know in history who God uses and, and he's been right. Yeah. So I remember I was on my knees saying, God, I don't see it. Lance Wall is at a meeting with different uh, evangelical leaders and Trump. And, and someone says to, to Lance, you need to, you know, share this thing with, with Trump. And he feels led, go to Isaiah 45. He says, what's in Isaiah 45? He didn't know off the top of his head. And it's a Cyrus prophecy. He reads it in Trump's presence that God will use you, although you do not know me. He reads this in Trump's presence. Isaiah 45 and says, you're going to be the 45th president of the United States. So I remember praying. I said, God, I don't see it. I, for the life of me, I can't see it, but maybe I'm wrong. I'd write these articles opposing him, said, I would love to keep my words. I don't want to be right. I want what's best for America. Right. Amen. So I think it's a tremendous parallel that God raises up. An idol worshipping pagan. We know from what's called the Cyrus Cylinder, it's an inscription in Akkadian, where where Cyrus is is giving honor to, to, to Baal, Baal, yeah. and honoring him and, and building a sanctuary for him. So this was his policy. In any of the different countries, he was going to worship their gods and say rebuild the temple. So God was going to use someone who didn't know him for special purposes, especially to bless Jerusalem. That's Isaiah 44 and 45. So I see it, not that Cyrus is a prophecy of Trump or the Bible was prophesying Trump. No, no, no. But the parallel right. that God raises up someone who is not a worshiper of his, maybe Trump somewhere along the line has, has asked the Lord into his heart. Maybe God's at work in a very, very early stage. I don't know. Uh, but certainly we would agree that he's not an example <laughs> yeah. of a follower of Jesus. No doubt. So yeah, I, I think the parallel is, is an excellent one. Uh, is there an aspect of a Nebuchadnezzar where there's also judgment on America and things? There could be multiple things happening at the same time. But the parallel is, is strikingly there. Someone clearly who was not a believer being raised up to do good. But then, you know, there are other things that break down in parallel. Cyrus did not reign over Israel. You know, Trump is leading America. Right. Uh, Cyrus did not do so much collateral damage. Trump, I look at a lot of the things he's done that are... Big and major, and that yeah. it takes somebody the forehead of steel to do it, but it's almost uh, like Martin Luther, Eric Metaxas, my friend Eric who's you know, written the best-selling book on Luther, yeah, he, he said Luther was so Trump good. on steroids, Trump on steroids, <laughs> oh, really that Luther <laughs> did an incredible amount of good, yeah an incredible amount of bad, yeah. You know, his legacy with the Jews, the peasant not war. We, just, we
1: know the history. <laughs> yeah. The
2: Catholic apologists. Unintentional. Catholic yeah. apologists use Luther to prove that, that the Reformation is, is of the devil or is not, is not okay. from God. On the flip side, he was a world changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So use that as a picture. And that, that's why I feel it's so important that we don't abandon Trump, meaning evangelicals around him are making an impact on his life he still tweets and does what he does he thinks it works yeah. he <laughs> thinks it's effective but th- he is surrounded by godly people yeah. and yeah. they pray for and he- and they have his ear yeah. and he believes that our values are important so as awkwardly as he's doing things look at this analogy uh in your hometown there are a bunch of pit bulls that have rabies and they're running rampant. They're, they're running into schoolyards and biting children. The kids are getting infected with rabies. Some kids are dying. You don't have a dog catcher in your community. You have two candidates that say, okay, we're going to get this done now. One guy's the nicest guy in the world. Happily married. His kids adore him. Sweetheart of a guy. No profanity. Doesn't smoke. Doesn't drink. But he, he can't catch a dog anymore. He can catch a fly. <laughs> The other guy's nasty, mean spirit. three former wives. None of them will talk to the guy. He's profane. You don't want to live next to him. But this guy will catch a dog with his teeth. Yeah. Who do you elect as the dog catcher? So we're in the same kind of situation. Yeah. I would love it if the president was a good role model. Right. Mm-hmm. I would love, I hate the fact that he, oh There's, gosh, you call a Attica former Spence employee a dog, you don't so, attack them. Yeah. Those people don't exist. Don't demean the women that have been sexually assaulted. just oh, you man, don't, you yeah. know, it's just. because know, I grieve over that at the same time, if I had to vote for him versus Hillary today, I'd vote for him with even more confidence than I yeah. did then. A- and I think we're in a critical time. Key thing, and one other point with this, is don't look to Donald Trump to do what the church is called to do. Mm. Let's, a, uh, let's do what we're called to do right. and pray for him to do what he's supposed to do. That's right.
0: There was a Christian movie that came out, and uh, I was at a, a very large church. I want to say it was like 10,000-ish members. It was very large. And uh, the pastor was asked so many times, and he felt like he had to address it in a sermon. Like, should I go watch this Christian mo- this Christian Bible-based movie? And his response was, look, guys. I don't get my theology from movies, and I don't get my entertainment from the Bible. And he was just able to compartmentalize (laughs) them and say, I enjoyed the movie and realized it wasn't Scripture. Like, I realized there was error in it. Uh, In the same way, that's what you're doing with Trump. You're saying there is an occupation and a role he's trying to fill, and I'm not making him my Messiah.
2: Politics is not the gospel. He's my president, not my savior. My savior gets my life, my loyalty, my testimony is tied to him. The president gets my vote. And I am not going to allow the secular media and the pressure of others to, to distance me from voting a way I feel is right. Yeah. Here's what they tell me. If you will just renounce Trump and break any ties with him, I mean, I'm not a, a White House guy or anything like that, but denounce him, denounce him on your radio show, say I'm no longer supporting him, I'm no, I wouldn't vote for him or any of his candidates, we'll listen to you because you've lost all credibility no, I lost all credibility the moment I stood up for Jesus. Yeah, in other words, on. you didn't listen to me about homosexuality before. You didn't listen to me about yeah. abortion before. Yeah. So you're telling me, okay, so CNN and MSNBC and all these others, you're telling me that if I get on the radio and say, look, I've had it with Trump, he's, uh, he's 10 strikes, he's out, forget that. The guy's crazy. Now you'll say, oh, please come on our show and articulate the pro-life position. Please yeah. explain why you believe it's murdering babies in the room. Oh, we'd love to hear why you feel that Elton John is that that marriage is not legit and that they shouldn't be raising children. We'd love to hear no. We didn't have credibility before. <laughs> Maybe Franklin Graham has said things you wouldn't like him to say about Trump or is seen as too much a support of Trump, but Franklin Graham was despised by the secular media before, before. he ever right, said yeah. a word about yeah. Trump. Good call. Good call. So I'm not gonna play that game. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm not gonna hitch my testimony to him. So when people say, How do you feel about that? It's like I hate he did that. I wish he didn't. Yeah. I'm not gonna make him into Saint Donald. Yeah. You know well, there's there's things that he's gonna there, the
1: there
0: will be a meme by the end of the week yeah, yeah. of Saint of Donald. Donald Trump in a Pope outfit, no the doubt. Glowing yeah. Halo. Halo yeah, yeah. So Can you I, you. I, I forgot do. what I was saying. Okay. <laughs> so I wanna I want to talk about a little bit about the because when i look at seven mountain stuff sometimes it, it kind of transitions into the theocracy theonomy yeah. Can give us give us an understanding of what those are and and why we do or do not appeal to those kinds of ideologies as christians
2: yeah so in a democracy the the people or the people through the state are basically running things and a theocracy this is now under god mm-hmm. and basically you have priests clergy running the nation and, and and you now impose God's ways so Iran would be a theocracy mm-hmm. uh and and so it's going to be top down clergy ruled and and you are now bringing the the kingdom of God as you see it right so in islam uh life is part of religion not religion is part of life but life is part of religion mm-hmm. and the goal of islam is subjugation bring the whole world uh, under allah and under sharia law yeah. right so Uh, you know, in an orthodox form. So if you were going to have a a theocracy in America, that would mean basically that Christians take over, that Christian leaders, especially clergy, rule the nation and we impose our values on the nation. That would be completely destructive. It it would drive people away from Jesus. It would end up causing us to sin to enforce things because we'd have to force people to do things by coercion. Uh, and it would end up being a disaster. And different groups, be it Jews, be it others, would end up being persecuted. Uh, so when Jesus returns, then we have a theocracy. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to. He sets up his kingdom. I'm a premillennialist, so if you agree with that. Yeah. He sets up his kingdom and rules and reigns on the earth and rules with a rod of iron. King Jesus. Yeah. Scepter of and, righteousness. And, and the knowledge mm-hmm. of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Yeah. Isaiah 11, passages like that. Glorious. Wonderful. Until then, we're going to be in the midst of a fallen world. And now theonomy, so, so namas law, right? Mm-hmm. So this is now that it's related to theocracy because without the theocracy, you can't have theonomy. But that basically our goal for America or whatever country we live in is to enforce biblical law. So if, if this had the death penalty in the Bible, this has the death penalty today. Right. If you flog people for this, you flog them for that. Disobedient, rebellious teenager who repeats behavior and curses mother and father, that person's put to death because those are God's laws. So basically taking the laws of the Sinai Covenant, I'm saying it in the most unnuanced way. Sure. Right, taking sure. the laws of the Sinai Covenant and enforcing them. And on a certain level, if you go back to the colonies in America... There was a lot of beautiful, wonderful, glorious spiritual heritage, and, and deeply, deeply Christian in origin and background. And and even even a, a law in the seventeen uh, no, in the sixteen hundreds of the old deluder law about Satan mm-hmm. that, that uh, if you had a certain number of people in your community, you had to establish schools so that children could learn to read, so they could read the Bible, lest Satan, the old deluder, who kept the Bible out of the language of the people in Europe, would now keep the Bible away from people. Through so this is a law in one of the colonies that yeah. you have to have a school so people can learn to read the Bible, but there was a side to it that was also theocratic, that if you lived in that community and you didn't attend church on Sunday, there'd be a certain punishment. You know the environment in which you had the, the infamous Salem witch trials may be exaggerated as we look back mm-hmm. at them, but same kind of deal, and that's part of the danger of theocracy. and with as much as I get accused. Of this from time to time, I'm going to be accused of everything, sure. but I get accused of being into <laughs> dominionism and theocracy. I've always militantly opposed it. And as a Jewish believer, knowing history and knowing yeah. what happens to the, the Jews when the church rules, we've seen theocracy with the Catholic church taking over. Maybe you'd see it in a certain level with, you know, with Geneva and Switzerland, with Calvin. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good when the gospel has a certain influence. And if people now enact righteous laws and godly laws and things that are good, wonderful. That, that, we, we all want to see that, mm-hmm. but it must be through changed hearts and changed lives and then ultimately through the joint will of the people as opposed to imposed by a clergy top down. That will bring destruction and will bring dishonor to the name yeah. of Jesus. I
1: think that's where, you know, when you think about the Democrat or liberal mindset. Um, they want to supplement the church through government by helping the poor and doing all these things and kind of take over the role of what the church is really called to do. Um, but on the conservative side, we do the opposite. We want to we want to take what the church's role in helping uh, culture come to the understanding of Jesus, which changes the heart, and we want to take morality and we want to change morality for people, and with kind of sidetracking and and not really focusing on Christ. And so, the church has a role on both sides of the spectrum. And so that's why you know I don't think that a theocracy or a theonomy really could work in that sense um, under true christianity because our heart is that people would love jesus yes love can't be <laughs> to coerced love jesus, yeah. not to do dot 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 not you better be at church on sunday if they don't come they don't come sometimes but our heart is that they is des- our desire is that they would desire god
2: i mean look the argument is going to be that all laws are moral on the one hand you could argue that all laws are moral sure right and and that if you know don't murder and, and, yeah. and don't drink and drive. That There's morality behind it. Yeah. So why not use biblical law? And you could also argue that that was a lot of what, what our founders drew on. And even some of the legal documents that they drew on also drew on scripture. That being said, there's a difference between a Sinai covenant and a theocracy. That was an Old Testament theocracy. God came down to Israel and said, I am your God, yeah. you are my servants, do this, don't do this. And there are lots of signs to back it up. Yeah, yeah. Signs yeah, and wonders. Exactly. Them, yeah. But even so, we see how destructive it was for Israel, that having that special relationship with God was very costly and brought more judgment, more judgment, more judgment. So again, we change hearts, we change lives, we 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 seek to win people to the gospel, we stand for righteousness. But let's say Roe v. Wade, all right? we. Obviously want to see it overturned. And we would love to see abortion illegal throughout all of America. However, at the same time, if that's not joined with compassionate ministry Mm -hmm. uh, to the moms, if that's not joined with a holistic love for the child once the child's born. We better better be ready to adopt a lot of babies. Right. (laughs) And, And not only that, what about the people that for them abortion was the most moral choice. When they thought it through without the full conception of of the life of the baby in the womb, they thought Mm -hmm. the most compassionate, they agonized over it, they cried over it, they counseled with their liberal pastor, they said, it's the best thing, you know, you can't, the child's going to be handicapped, your family's already on poverty, you're you're struggling, the husband's sick, the whole, it's the most compassionate thing you could do. And now they hear us cheering because Roe v. Wade is overturned. They're thinking, now what do I do? We need to be there to, to yep. help them and, and, and share the love of God with them yeah. and show them that God's ways are best. So while we're talking about overthrowing Roe v. Wade, we've got to keep praying for revival, keep winning the lost, and keep trying to influence people's minds. What's one of the biggest things that's helped the pro-life movement? Ultrasounds. 3D, 4D ultrasounds. Hearing that heartbeat. Yeah, You know, what, what was the, the, the great slogan with, with uh, Wilberforce and his movement? You know, the, there's a picture of a slave, you know, aren't I your brother? Mm-hmm. So somehow to capture things, we know how, how story appeals that I can, I can give a million stats about homosexuality. And all you need is, is a nice gay couple with their adopted handicapped child. And just that image, they've won. Yeah, They've won the ideological battle right there because it's a compelling image and they may be a very nice couple and all this. So we need to win hearts and minds, to change things from the bottom up while we continue to work for righteous legislation. So, uh, you know, one
0: of the arguments that I see constantly on the theonomy and i'm seeing a lot of that creeping up right now a lot of people are really uh using the word theonomy like we we want to use the levitical laws of stone this kill that you know this is the justice eye for an eye tooth for a tooth kind of thing and let's let's implement that today now here if it was moral then if it was godly then why isn't it moral now
2: right so uh, again it was godly and it was moral, but it was also there to teach their specific purposes. Paul in Galatians 3, speaking of the laws as a pedagogue yeah. uh, to, to bring us to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So that was the household slave that would accompany the children to and from school or would help in their education and protect them in certain ways. Uh, but, but more importantly, when we look at New Testament application, we see changes. For example, there was a one-time mandate to drive out the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. And when the Hebrew Bible is translated into Greek, one of the common words used for drive out is ekbalo. Well, we don't drive out people. We don't ekbalo people. Now We ekbalo demons. Sure. Right? So there's a spiritual application. First Corinthians five, Paul quotes from a phrase that you find all over Deuteronomy, drive out the evil from your midst, drive out the evil from your midst, which either meant kill the people. Or, or cut them off from the community. What do you do? Now you excommunicate. You don't, you don't kill them. You don't put them to death. So things for which there was a death penalty in the Old Testament, most of them do not have a death penalty in the New Testament. And you don't find Jesus in, in the account of the, the the woman caught in adultery, wherever, wherever that's originally placed in the Gospels, you don't, you don't find that that ethic there. You know, uh, James 2 tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. You know, so there, there is a, a different approach now. So we still have high ethical standards, but God gave that to Israel for a season to teach them certain things. For example, if you were a, a priest uh, and, and let's say son of a priest and you were blemished in your body in a certain way, you were a hunchback or you had, you know, just some kind of defect, you couldn't serve as a priest. Well, there's a spiritual lesson from that, right, which is moral purity and spiritual purity and ethical purity for, for us as a priestly people and for us as ministers of the gospel. But it doesn't apply physically and literally today that if someone has a bodily defect, they can't be a minister of the gospel. So we need to see how does the New Testament apply these things, and then also ask, do we think we know better than church history? Yeah. Because church history, these things have not been universally applied, one, and two, where we've tried to, they've been very destructive. Yeah. It's good, man. We got three minutes
0: left in the yeah. program. Uh, uh, Dr. Brown, give us, uh, again, what are ways that people connect with you? Tell us a little bit about your book and then we'll, we'll wrap stuff up.
2: Yeah, sure thing. Uh, and, and for, I I appreciate what you guys are doing. And I I just want to say this to the camera here. <laughs> uh, I, I just got in from, from London today, you know, 10 and a half hour flight and all this. And, and, you know, time to crash, but when I heard I had an opportunity to be on with these young guys and heard what they're doing, I said, absolutely. So I appreciate it. What you're doing is important Thank you. and uh, keep listening, spreading this, sharing it with others. So connect with me at askdrbrown.org, askdr org. Every week I write between four and five new articles. We have my daily radio show, The Line of Fire. We do a live stream on Facebook and YouTube. We've got on our digital library well over a thousand videos, well over a thousand articles, all of our previous broadcasts. and then. Connect with us. Facebook is Doctor Brown, or Brown. YouTube, Doctor Brown. Connect with us there. Twitter. We've got all the links at the AskDr.Brown.org website. And this book, Donald Trump is Not My Savior, get a copy for, for anyone that wonders how you, as a follower of Jesus, could possibly vote for Trump. And read it yourself if you're struggling with working through these issues. I think you find it really, really helpful. Donald Trump is Not My Savior. Excellent. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. It is an honor to have you. Uh, For those of you who are new
0: to Remnant Radio and you guys want to help us out, you want to sponsor us, you can go to our website at com. You can give there, you can donate. If this video has blessed you, you can share it, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We are on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, Facebook, everywhere, com. everything. The Remnant Radio. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week, Monday, 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Every Monday, we create new uh, theological broadcasts just like this. where We're interviewing and dialoguing about theological topics. So, hope to see you next time. Be blessed. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the